Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Canvas Church. Glad you guys are here. Uh, Turning your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Uh, we have been in a series entitled Simple Church. And uh, as I was praying, getting ready for 2014 and really asking the Holy Spirit, hey, what do you want to do in Canvas Church in 2014? Uh, not just me, but really our whole entire team felt that God just wanted to simplify things. That God wanted to simplify uh, what church looks like for Canvas, what church looks like at Canvas. And if you're new to Canvas Church, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, make sure you drop off your info card in the back. We'll get you that, that free uh, Starbucks gift card because you'll probably need one by the end of the service. And uh, so make sure you stop there. Um, but uh, what we do here at Canvas Church, we do four uh, real simple things. This is what we ask of people that, that say, hey, Canvas Church is my home. And it's real easy. Uh, one is this, is uh, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. That you would attend weekend services. That you would come, get involved. Um, whether your level of involvement is I want to come and I want to worship with other people. Or whether your uh, level of involvement is I want to be Kim or Becca on the keys. Come on, somebody. Um, you know, whatever that level of involvement is, that's okay. And uh, maybe your level of involvement is way up here. Maybe it's, you know, way up here with worship. Or maybe it's way up here with uh, getting on stage and doing worship. Whatever it might be. Uh, we just ask that people come together because we believe that God really does something significant when his people come together. Right? Um, and so we encourage that. The other thing we encourage is it's happening today. That you get involved in a community group. That you would find a community group that fits your time schedule. We have one uh, almost every night of the week. That you would find one. That you would plug in there. Why? Uh, because that's the way we really believe that Canvas Church is going to continue to grow. That's the place that pastoring is going to take, uh, take place. That's where, uh, you know, discipleship is going to take place. That's where we're going to be able to take the messages from Sunday and begin to dive a little bit deeper. And so we ask everybody, hey, find one of those, get involved in, in, in one of those gatherings throughout the week. And uh, the other thing is this, is that as you move along in your pathway here at Canvas Church, that you do end up finding a place to serve. And that doesn't just mean on the weekend. It could mean, you know what, I really have a heart for outreach and I want to lead, lead outreaches. Awesome. But that you find a, an outlet for the gifts that God has given you right here uh, within the body of Christ. And so we encourage that. And lastly, uh, we encourage personal evangelism. Uh, that we as Christians should be doing the work of the ministry, uh, whether you're a pastor like me or whether you're a businessman out there, that we're all called to full-time ministry. And uh, that you do the best with what God has given you uh, to bring other people to Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's, that's Canvas Church in a nutshell. And so what we decided to do is say, well, let's dive into Scripture and let's look at, say, hey, what, what did the New Testament church start with? What, what, what happened in those days? And, uh, and see what we really need to give ourselves to as the body of Christ. Because here's the reality. I've had these blocks for the last couple of weeks. And, and uh, you know, life can look a lot like this, right? A mess, Right? Life can look like that. You know, we have two kids, and, and uh, you know, one of them is now playing soul basketball, and, uh, man, her schedule is all over the place. My other daughter is getting back into ballet, and her schedule is all over the place. And my wife and I were talking yesterday that, you know, we're getting to that point where we're going to have to divide and conquer. Do any parents know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, you know, you're going to have to divide and conquer, right? And so you're going to have to go to ballet, and you're going to have to go to basketball, and, and we're going to have to start doing these things. And, and then there's homework, and then there's bills, and then there's, you know, and then all of a sudden there's, wait, there's church we got to fit church in there, right? And so we believe that the last thing that church should look like when you come is this. Man, 
I don't need one more thing to complicate my, my complicated life. We think church should be real simple. And here's the thing, as we read scripture, God thought church should be real simple too. And so we want to look at that today and we want to unpack another, another thing we see here in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And it says this, and they, who's they? We learned this, that's the, the people that are mentioned previously, right? It's the 3,000 that were added. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God, I pray that you'd help me in the next few moments, uh, Lord, just to communicate you know, what I believe you're saying to this church and all those that are here. Um, God, I pray for the, the one that's here for the first time. Uh, Lord, that they would just um, hear your heart this morning. God, whether they are, are radically in love with you or whether they are far from you, God, I just pray that you would communicate to their heart. God, help us now, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. When I read those, those, those verses right there, um, the, the thing is this, I get to the part where I see, man, signs and wonders were being done at the hands of the apostles. That everyone was living generously and no one was in need and man, they were meeting together and, and they're, they're, you, you get this great picture uh, uh, of that and that's the part that me as a pastor, that's the part I want to live in. I want to be right there. I want to see generous people giving to, to one another and I'm sure you want to see that as well. I want to see, I'm not going to lie to you, I want to see signs and wonders. Come on somebody. Come on, I mean, I mean, how many of us, honestly, now here's the thing, it might weird, weird some of you out momentarily, but if someone came in a wheelchair, you know, and they haven't walked in years, and we as the body of Christ said, you know what, we believe that Jesus Christ is a healer because we believe that here at Canvas Church, we believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so when we go down, we say, hey, let's pray for him, and let's just see what God does, and that person pops up out of the chair, now I know some people will be like, oh my gosh, that's weird. Okay, but I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be doing a little dance. Are you with me? Because it would be like, yes, God just supernaturally touched this person. I want to see that. I want to see the signs and wonders. I want to see those miracles. And here's the thing. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see that, right? I mean, here's the thing. If you were in a wheelchair, you'd want to see it, right? I would want, I want to see those miracles. And so I think to myself, like, man, what did they do? to get to that point. I mean, they must have had some like awesome strategies in place. I mean, they must have had some serious prayer team meetings to get to that point where miracles were happening. I mean, they probably had to meet with them and talk about the, the you know, the, uh, what do they call the little claws they throw over people? The holy, the, the you know, the modesty, right? The modesty, y'all know, have you ever been there before, right? I mean, they probably had to train their catchers really well right? Okay. And make sure by all means you put a breath mint in. Come on somebody. Okay. 
And I think that, you know, what did they have to do? How many classes did they have to take to get to that place of signs and wonders and everybody living generous? And, and I think through it. But all, all of a sudden I go back and I say, wait a second. They did four things. Real simple. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They had fellowship with one another. And we talked about that last week. They, they, they broke bread together. And we're going to talk about that next week. And they gave themselves the prayer which Pastor Casey kicked off in our first service. These four things, and it produced miracles, right? Souls being added, miracles happening, people's needs being met, and this is all they did. Are you with me this morning? Now, I know there's people out there that would take these four things and they would break them down in these extensive teachings with 17 points. I'm not that guy, okay? I see that they gave themselves to the apostles', apostles teachings. So I want to look at that today. What is the apostles' doctrine? What is the apostles' teaching? What is that? Because this is what they gave themselves to. The apostles' doctrine, the word doctrine is found, as found in the text today, is translated from the Greek word didache. Now, I know it's didache because I actually went and said, I don't know how to pronounce that. And so in my study time, I went and found the little thing and clicked on the little icon that said it for me. Come on, somebody. Okay? Which means instruction. It means instruction. So simply put, when, when Acts 2, thousands of people are being saved and Luke is writing this, you know, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what it looked like from my vantage point. They gave themselves to what the apostles, what the apostles were telling them to do. That's what they gave themselves to. The apostles, what they were instructing the people, they devoted themselves to that. Well, then I have to ask the question, okay, well, what, 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 what did the apostles do? I mean, you know, what, who were they? What did they do? Why were they the ones that were able to go ahead and instruct these 3,000 and more that were being added? These were the guys that were chosen by Jesus after he went up on a mountain and he prayed all night. These are the guys he appointed, but these are also the guys that walked with him for three and a half years. So knowing that these are the guys that the Son of God chose... And knowing that these guys actually spent three and a half years with Jesus, then maybe they had some things to share that we should listen to. Are you with me? Okay? So what was it? What they shared is they shared what they saw in Jesus, what they learned from Jesus, and what Jesus instructed them to do. Okay? And so when it talks about, hey, we're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' doctrine, it's talking about the instruction of the apostles, it's really talking about I'm devoting myself to the life that Jesus Christ lived and the message that he preached, simply put. So this is what Luke wrote about, he said, hey, you know, this is what I saw when all these things were happening, they were giving themselves to this thing. Now it'd be easy to say, okay, well let's just give ourselves to this right here, right? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, right? Sometimes we change that, though, and the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for you, but there's parts of it not for me, right? So we give ourselves to this. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. What is the message of Jesus? He, he, he broke it down in these three little things. He said, you know what? Uh, we're going to give ourselves these things. 1 Corinthians 13, paraphrase. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. The message of Jesus Christ, the teaching of the apostles, was one of faith, hope, and love. Wow. 
The message of Jesus, honestly, when you read it, it's real simple. What does the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who is that? That's Jesus. Whoever believes in him would what? Oh, you haven't read that one? Okay. Would have everlasting life. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, hey, I've come into the world for the sick. I've come into the world to seek and save the lost. And Jesus comes. Why does Jesus come? Because here's man, here's God, and sin has separated the two. And so Jesus comes on the scene to bridge the gap and to bring the two together. And because of Jesus, we can now have eternal life with our Heavenly Father. It's a great message. It's a message of faith, it's a message of hope, and it's a message of, of love. And this is what the apostles carried on. This was the message that, that Jesus passed down to them to continue to push forward. Are you with me today? Let me pull up a couple of scriptures, all right? Uh, if you don't mind, can you pull up, if these are there, Romans 3, 10 through 12. We have these ones there, Romans 3, perfect, okay? I'm going to take you real quickly, scripturally, through really what is this faith, hope, and love. What is the message of Jesus? And here it is. And a lot of you, if, how many of you guys have ever heard of the Romans road before? Seven of you. Okay, this will be the first time. Okay, all right. There's a reason why they call it the Romans road, because all these scriptures are coming out of Romans. But let's look at it real quickly. This is the message of Jesus. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Pretty clear, right? We're not righteous. We're not in right standing with God. Go to the next verse. We're not in right standing with God. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Is that it? Okay, thank you. Okay, no one understands, no one seeks for God. Go to the next one. 23, I think it is. Is it 23? All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Here it is. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Are you catching the message here? There's no one righteous, no, not one, we're all separated, okay? Why? Well, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, I don't, what is, me? me? Yeah, all, that's what the Bible says, right? Okay, go and go to the next one. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, Jesus, died for us. All are unrighteous. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short. So what's the game plan? The game plan is this, the message, the life of Jesus. Here it is. He came. He died for us. Go ahead and go to the next one. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I know that, if, you know, some of you in here today, and you're like, I've been coming to church for a while, Pastor. Okay, I know these verses. I actually memorized the Romans row when I was in youth ministry. And, you know, I've actually led several people to Jesus because of this. And so um, I wish we could get onto the deeper and greater things of the Bible. Um, can we do that? They devoted themselves to this. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the message of Jesus. This is the apostles' doctrine. They took Jesus' life and they said, okay, we got we to devote ourselves to this. Go ahead and go to the next one. Romans 10, 9, 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Awesome. Wait a second. A minute ago, I was separated. 
I wasn't in relationship with God. I know, but Jesus came and he, and he, and he came and, and he paved the way. The message of faith, hope, and love. He paved the way. He bridged the gap. And all you have to do is believe in your heart. All you have to do is confess with your mouth. And if you do that, man, salvation comes. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay, and it's about this point uh, for all of you that, uh, that, that have receive Jesus into your life, it's about this point that tears are starting, we're starting to dribble down your eye, your face, right? And you're starting to comprehend and you're starting to grasp, oh my gosh, I was separated from God, but now I'm not because of Jesus. This is the apostle's doctrine. Go ahead and go to the next one. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. Anyone? Yes. Okay, what just happened right here before in Acts chapter 2? What just happened is that people are coming after Peter's message and saying, what do we need to do to be saved? Peter gives them the game plan. 3,000 souls get saved. And then after they get saved, what did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the message. They devoted themselves to this. Go and go to the next one. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Peace, isn't that a nice thing? How many of you guys love having peace in your home? You come home at the end of the day, there's nothing worse than when there's tension in your house, right? There's nothing worse when there's tension if you're married, and there's nothing worse when there's tension with your spouse. Honestly, there's not. My kids are still young enough where I have, I have tension with them. I deal with it. Come on, somebody. They're young enough. Okay? But when there's tension between me and my wife, that once every five years, that thing that happens with us, I know for some of you it's like once every five days, but for us it's like once every five years. And she's usually right and I'm wrong. But I changed it, right? Some of you thought I was going to, yeah. But there's nothing worse and you, you dread. You don't know what I'm talking about? Come on, if we're going to be honest spouses today, and you're driving home like, oh. Come on, we have honest people in Canvas Church, all right? You know what I'm talking about. It's that tension, okay? And that feeling, that uneasiness, the unrest, that, oh, okay? That's what it was like before Jesus. But now because you have Jesus, we have peace with God the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and go to the next one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see? Did you follow the path? There is none righteous, no, not one. You're separated from God and you follow the pathway and all of a sudden you get over here and you say, hey, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a good feeling, right? That's a good feeling to go, my gosh, I'm separated, I'm not righteous, I'm far from God. And all of a sudden you follow this path when you get to the other side because of Jesus. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, there is no condemnation. That's a freeing feeling, ladies and gentlemen. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the message that they devoted themselves to. Now I want you to notice this, you can't miss this thought. Listen, you were separated from God, bad stuff, right? Boom, now, you, now, the, now the gap is bridged. How can I explain this? Because someone, someone's not quite getting it yet, okay? This is the message of the apostles, the instruction, okay? The life of Jesus. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, I'm 15 years old, and I don't have a license to drive yet, right? 
and mom and dad leave, and they're going to go away for a day or so. And the brand new Ford is sitting in the driveway, right? And mom and dad say, hey, look, if you need to go anywhere or, or do anything, uh, call your Aunt Becky and have her come get you. Um, she's going to be checking in. But whatever you do, I know you're almost 16 and you think, but you can't drive. And so whatever you do, don't grab the keys and go take the Ford out. It's brand new. We don't want you to wreck it, okay? Mom and dad leave. What's the first thing on your mind? Eve, don't eat the fruit, right? The first thing on your mind is, man, I want to take the new Ford for a ride. And of course you don't right away, because I mean, you, you know, you're like, oh man, I can't do that because nerves and whatnot, and I can't do that, right? And so you don't. And then your friends come over. And they're like, dude, you guys got a new car? Yeah, it's pretty sick, isn't it? Yeah, have you taken it for a ride yet? No. Why not? Just because, like, because. I haven't needed to go anywhere yet. Dude, we should do it. No, I don't know. I, I just, if I need to go somewhere, I will. No, really, dude, we, we should do it. We should go. And all of a sudden, your friends start giving you advice and talking to you. And what could really happen? Right? So when you're new buddies, you get in the car. Boom, boom. It's, it's a Mustang. Come on, buddy. So you back it out of the driveway? Because after all, your friend told you that, hey, you know, I've, I've been taking my parents' car out for like the last couple of months, ain't nothing happened. So you back it out of the driveway, you get going. This ain't that bad. My parents don't even know what they were talking about. And you're driving. All of a sudden you think, you know, I, I can go a little faster. So you push the gas, you go a little faster. And you're going. And now all of a sudden you got the radio crank. Come on, somebody. Listen to a little Van Halen. Come on now. Whatever it is you listen to, whatever. Okay. Pearl Jam, whatever. I came from Seattle, right? There's the radio. Tunes are bumping. Now you got the windows down. Checking out the girls as you're driving. If you're a guy. <laughs> I mean, checking out as you're driving. And now you get distracted, light changes red, you blow the red light, car plows into you. Mom and dad, go to the hospital. You took the car. My friends that you gave me made me do it. Mom and dad come in and say, hey, look. We're actually going to give you that car for your 16th birthday. We had planned. I mean, you're only, you're only four months away, and we, we had a good deal, and so we bought the car early, and that's why we haven't been driving it, son. That's why we left that one home and took our, our old car, because we had that car for you, and now we had it sitting there waiting for you, and it was going to be your 16th birthday present, but son... You jumped in and you, and you took that thing thinking that you could handle it. All right, here's what we're going to do. Get you healthy. A couple days later, you check out the hospital. A month goes by. Ford's no longer there. All of a sudden, it's your 16th birthday. 
You wake up feeling, man, I would have had a great day. Mom and dad call, hey, come on down. You come on down. Hey, son, can you just um, just go grab the uh, mail from the mailbox real quick and you walk out. And in the driveway, there is sitting a brand new convertible BMW. And it says, we love you, son. Happy birthday. That's the message of Jesus Christ. That's the message that the apostles are saying. See, when God restores, when God does things through, through, through the work of Jesus, he doesn't just take what was and give it back to you as it was. He recreates everything and gives you something far better than you ever had before. And yet we want to hold on to this thing over here. And he's saying, no, 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 that, 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 that's not good enough. That's separating you from the life that I have for you. It's a message of faith, hope, and love. With Jesus Christ, life really is better. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because if we would jump in and we would taste and see that the Lord is good, we would really, but see, we're apprehensive of faith, it's a mess of hope, it's a mess of restoration, it's a message of love, but he restores it better than ever. And this is, as the Bible says, and they devoted themselves to this message. They devoted themselves to this teaching. See, we can't miss that part because if we miss that part, we think that, well, the pastor should devote themselves to that. The leaders of the church should devote themselves to that. The deacons, the elders, the ones that are leading the church, but no, they devoted themselves to that message of faith, hope, and love. What does the word devoted mean? It means fully given over to, faithful, loyal, and constant in. I'm faithful and I'm loyal and constant in the message of Jesus Christ, which is faith, hope, and love, which is a message of restoration, which is a message of, man, he is your provider. He, he is your peace. He is your healer. That is, the, that is Jesus. Are you with me this morning? And they devoted themselves to this. Why, ladies and gentlemen, did they devote themselves to that concept? Why did they devote themselves to that message? Let me give you just a few quick things here. Here's why we need to continue to devote ourselves to that. That's why we need to get back to the simplicity of church. They devoted themselves to that because of number one, the minute you stop devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, the message of Jesus, is the minute we begin to give ourselves more to image than to substance. The minute we take away the apostles' doctrine out of the picture and we stop devoting ourselves to that is the minute we start caring more about image than we do about substance. We start caring more about, about filling church buildings than we do about filling people's hearts with the truth. We start caring more about, about what, we, what, we, what we look like on stage or what we propagate from the stage than we do about are we holding to the truth of God's word. And all of a sudden now, image is above substance. 
And that's why you can go throughout, throughout any city in any world and you can go into, into, into church services and the lights and the, and, the, and, the, and the music and it's like, oh man, this is great. But when you get to the substance of the word, it's lacking. And people say, well, what's your, what's your stance on, on this thing? Oh, we just love people. But what's your stance on that? We just love people. That's not an answer. But what's your what's your stance? What's your stance on 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 gay marriage? Well, we just love people. Well, what's your stance on abortion? Well, we just love people. Well, what's your stance on on people cohabitating when they're not married? Well, we just love people. Yes, we do love people. And when I read my Bible, Jesus loved people enough to tell them, "Hey, you're in sin." that, I mean, people might not come. Is it about filling buildings or is it about filling hearts? Sin is sin is sin is sin. Somebody with me this morning. But see, here's what happens is we stop devoting ourselves to the message of Jesus. And then all of a sudden we, we get off and we start caring more about image than we do about substance. Paul, when he writes his son Timothy in the faith, encouraging Timothy into the ministry, in, in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3, he says this. Let me just turn there so I don't misquote it. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? 2 Timothy It says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Timothy, hold on a second. You've got to be careful here. You've got to make sure that you're giving yourself the sound doctrine because there's going to be people that are going to want to, going to, want to distort things. Because, Timothy, listen, the, the, the temptation for you as a young pastor and a young preacher is you're going to want to be a people pleaser. Because, man, when you see the crowds coming, man, it, it, it builds your ego. And, Timothy, now, now be careful because when that happens, people are going to want you to teach things that tickle their ears, but, but really it's far from the truth. He was warning Timothy not to be given over to image, but to stay with the substance. Are you with me this morning? Listen, we as believers, not just teachers of the word, as Christians, we need to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that we are continually going back to the foundation of the word of God. And we need to go here. Listen to me, don't just, don't just come on Sunday and say, oh man, Pastor Ben preached a great message. And you know what? I'm just, no, you better go back here. Say, okay, now what's your word say? Got to go back to this. What happens is we begin to propagate our own thoughts and our own ideas over the teachings of Jesus. Somebody with me this morning. 
we got to stay here. we got to give our, that's why, and listen, they devoted themselves to this. They devoted themselves to this. Now, when I have friends come and ask me for advice that aren't Christians, I so badly, because they're my friends, just want to say, okay, here's what you got. Did you see Oprah the other day? Dr. Phil, the other day, whatever it might be. Hey, I read this great book. Because that's easy. Because we can, you know. But if I do that, I'm leading them astray. Because the answer always has been, always will be, and now is Jesus. The minute we begin to stray away from the apostles' doctrine, secondly, we lose sight of who he is and who we are. We lose sight of who he is. Who is he? He's the savior of the world. And once you realize that, it puts things into perspective real quickly. He's the savior. I'm the one that's lost. He found me. I didn't find him. I was a wreck. I was a mess. But because of Jesus, I've now become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. But the minute we move away from the apostles' doctrine, the minute we move away from the teachings of Jesus, what happens is, is we begin to forget who he is. And all of a sudden what happens sometimes is we begin to think of ourselves a little higher than we ought to. And we begin to maybe move up onto our own pedestal a little bit. But if we stay true and say, what is, what, what is, what is this all about? What's God saying? What's his word say? Man, we keep a right perspective of who he is. And when you have a right perspective of who he is, you will always have a right perspective of who you are. It's, it's so true. If your image of him is distorted, you'll have a distorted image of yourself. Whether, whether a high and lofty one or even a, a really low one, like I'm a nobody. No, you're the head and not the tail. Awesome. Great. But he's way up here still. have this proper view of who he is and who you are. I love 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's own special people. But go to the next part. That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, I think sometimes we read the first verse, 2.9, and we don't go into 10. Right? I'm a chosen generation, a royal priest, God's own special people. That's me. But then we won't get to the next part that says, oh, he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, the only reason I am this is because he's marvelous, and apparently he's got a really big light. And because of that, oh, now I can be who he says I am. Because of him, you are. Are you chosen? Yes, but you didn't choose yourself. He chose you. Oh, yeah, because I'm that good? No, 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 no. No, no, he pulled you out of the dog pound. Nobody wanted you, and that's why you were there. You were astray. And he came, and he found you there. He said, I'll take that one, and then people are like, that one's ugly. And he goes, I know, but I can do something with that. No, no, he didn't choose you, you know? Because we can even get off on that. Yeah, God chose me. <laughs> Chosen. Yeah, out of the dog pound because nobody wanted you. 
chosen. Because he chose you. He picked you out. Listen, this is one area that the enemy works overtime in our life. Having a wrong view of God and a wrong view of ourselves. John 10, 10. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. the next part of that, but I, Jesus, have come that you'd have life and that you might have that life more. And that's where we like, yeah, kick the devil. But here's one thing I realized is that even as Christians, as Christ followers, if we get off track and we don't give ourselves to the apostles' teaching, all of a sudden the enemy comes in and begins to give us a distorted view and he steals our identity. He kills the power and authority we have in Christ Jesus and therefore ultimately destroys our purpose. But Jesus Christ has come that you might have life and life more abundant. So what do we need to do? We need to go back to the message of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. We lose sight of who he is and by doing that, we lose sight of who we are. Can I give you one more this morning? The minute we stop giving ourselves to this right here, to the teaching, the apostles, instructions, is the minute we stop loving people the way Christ loves us. We stop loving people the way Christ loves us. The message was good enough for me to get saved. The message was good enough to transform me from the inside out. And here's the thing is, is that, going back to point one, if I could just for a minute, we go over this, this image over substance because all of a sudden we get on this side of it and we say, wow, Jesus transformed my life. And you know what I need to do now? I need to take what he did in my life and I need to be super culturally relevant so that I can win other people to Jesus. I mean, he saved me with snot coming out of my nose, tears coming out of my eyes, you know, in a tent at a camp, and you know, and it wasn't even that cool, really. I only went because there were some good looking girls. Yeah, we get on this side and, and we're like, okay, we're gonna do church now, and here's what we need to do. We need to be superly culturally relevant. As if superly is a word. And so, okay, we, we, we get in our little, our little planning meetings. Okay, what are we going to do to be culturally relevant? And yet, if I look at the one that God sent to precede the message of Jesus, his name was John the Baptist. And he was the forerunner. He was the one that like, okay, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're in heaven, they're strategizing, and it's like, okay, uh, Jesus, you're gonna go, okay, I'll do that, I'll go die for everybody. <laughs> I'm getting the short end of this, whatever. But I'll do it, okay? And it's, it's just like, I don't know if God was like toying with him or humanity, but then it's like, okay, we gotta have somebody that goes before you though. And Jesus is like pointing at the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, him, right? And God's like, no, I think what we need to do is, is you're gonna have a relative 
yeah, this is good. And we're going to call him John, and people will know him as John the Baptist. And so Jesus is kind of like, yeah, okay, I, I can dig that. And, and here's what I think we should do. Um, hey, Jesus, go grab me some water real quick. Jesus leaves, and the Holy Spirit and God get together. And they're like, hey, we should make this dude, like, wear camel's hair. And he should, like, he should, like have a leather belt and be barefoot. And maybe he should eat, like, wild locusts and, and honey and stuff. And then they're like, sweet. Jesus comes back. Hey, don't worry about it. We got it all figured out. Now, if you're new to church, obviously I'm having fun right now, okay? I, I'd really just paraphrased nothing. Um, but the dude that came before Jesus, he like was a wild man, the Bible said. He was like crazy. He was like, like go down to East Village. Sorry, no offense. Go down to East Village. And the craziest, wildest dude walking around with no shoes on, wearing like, like uh, camels or goats or just skins, and licking his finger of the honey and like locust legs are falling off. That's the dude that went to prepare the way for Jesus. Not really culturally relevant. We, okay, we got it, we got it, we got to make sure the songs are set, the music's right, the temperature, yeah, Campbell's doesn't have that one. We got to get, got to get all these things. Okay, we should probably play a little cold play in our song set as people are walking in because, oh, yeah, okay, the culture relevant. Dude, you know what we really need? We need a dude out in the lobby, barefoot. Okay, the, 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 the sad, I don't know if I want to say sad, the funny thing is I know there's somebody in here that would be like, dude, I'll do it. And the thing is they're not taking one for the team. They really want to do it. They'll, they'll play it off like they are like, hey, Pastor, if you really need somebody to do that, I'll do it. But no one else will probably volunteer. So I mean, you can watch. Let me know. We try to be so relevant we really take the whole message of Jesus away and we say what's your stance all right we just we just love cool talk we just love you yeah we do love you Jesus loved people enough to come and die for them Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth you're living with now it's not your husband you're, you're, you're single but that's not culturally relevant but see the minute we take the gospel the apostles teaching and we no longer devote ourselves to it and we set it aside and we say you know what we're going to do Sunday mornings it's all going to be about just, just, just getting the people excited and if we get them super excited, it'll keep them coming. And then at about year seven, boom, we'll hit them. What happens if they die before year seven? Hmm. Bummer for them. <laughs> we stop loving people the way Jesus 
loves us. And here's something we need to understand. We need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that, that church is not a resort. Church is a hospital. But see, there's far too many of us that want church to be a resort. We want to come in and, man, the music and, man, the songs and the lights and, oh, look, you know, they're dressed nice. And, and God forbid that anybody in a wheelchair comes and they pray for them, they get up out of it because that would be uncomfortable and it would take away from my spa moment. And so we just we can't make sure that doesn't happen. And, you know, I don't know about those other people because they don't really look like me, dress like me, and certainly don't smell like me because I use this kind of cologne and... church isn't a spa. Church is a hospital. There are like, there are like cutting utensils everywhere. There's like big needles that I hate. There's blood. And most importantly, there's people that are hurting. And if they don't get surgery, they're going to die. That's church. That's church. So when you come here and someone offends you, that's church. When you come here and, and someone didn't, didn't, you know, properly shake your hand right, that's church. They're hurting. When someone comes and they didn't recognize my need, listen to me. The last time I needed to be in a hospital, I wasn't rolling down the hallway saying, hey, how you doing? Can I help you? No, the one thing I cared about when I came to church or the hospital was, hey, fix me, fix me. Can I get real honest for a minute? Let me get real honest for a minute. When I'm lying in a hospital bed and I'm pushing that button because I want the nurse, my real thought is, is I don't give a rip about the guy next to me. I need help. So if you come to church and you get offended, maybe they're pushing their button. I need, I need an answer. I need someone to come through. I need, some, I need someone to speak to me. Man, if this message does not communicate something to me today, I don't even know if I'm going to come back to church next week. Man, they want me to get involved. I don't care about getting involved. I don't want to serve in their... I hate children serving their children's ministry. You want me to get up on stage. You want me to shake somebody's hand. I don't care about shaking somebody's hand. I need Jesus. I need hope. I need love. I need faith. I need restoration. I need healing. Because this is a hospital. And we walk out of here. 20 years in as a Christian, offended. Because we stopped devoting ourselves to this. And the minute we stop devoting ourselves to this, we want to be a spa. We want to be a resort because it's all about image. And we forget that Jesus came the sick, not for the well. God, we thank you for your message today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.